welcome to the next installment of our Living Legends podcast. We've been doing quite a bit of interviews, those connected to our church, both directly and indirectly. And I'm excited today for this installment with the famed and the amazing Kenny Williams. Uh, <clears throat> this, is, this has been a, a wait, a conversation I've been looking forward to, but I'll, I'll let you do a bit of introduction because uh, I imagine there may not be, there may be some that may not know exactly what it is that you do. So how would you like to introduce yourself? Well, certainly not as a living legend and what, what fame, uh, all of that, so all those things that you said. I'm, listen, I'm, I'm just a guy that, uh, you know, came from Berkeley, California, then to San Jose and um, happened to, to do a little something in, in sports uh, along the way. Uh, being pushed by my mother and father to excel in school. Otherwise I could not set foot on the baseball or basketball or football fields. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of did well enough to go to the next level and then the next level. And, you know, fortune sometimes shines upon you and you make the most of your opportunities. And, you know, here I sit now Somebody just said the other day that <clears throat> that I became this year or last October I became the longest serving African American man to person to uh, lead a major sports organization in history, wow. uh, any sports organization. So uh, I I had to I didn't realize that I had to have our people look that up, <laughs> verified it. Tur turns out it's it's true. So. You know, just just continuing to grind away and, you know, trying to bring another uh, World Series championship to the, the city of Chicago. Well, that's my home city. So, you know, I totally appreciate yeah. that. Um, but, you know, I, I think that kind of leans into like the idea of legends, legacy, especially in this month, as we're trying to be intentional to highlight the stories that are already in continuation, not just, you know, history that has happened a long time ago, but there's some things that are happening amazingly right now. And so you spoke of your parents, uh, amazing Jerry Williams, who uh, passed not too long ago, and then of course your mother, Ethel, who are connected to our church. Um, but thinking about this, I think every kid's dream is to go into professional sports. When did you figure out like, this was actually a, a real possibility for you? Uh, you know, Football-wise, I actually thought that that was a possibility very early on. Um, you know that that kind of happens when when uh, you know you're kind of running past everyone and find yourself in the end zone quite a bit, um, and you just you gain that confidence along the way. So I thought that that was something that was easily attainable, and then uh, you know I I got a baseball and football scholarship to Stanford. And uh, I only, only ended up playing one year of football there because, uh, interestingly enough, I was playing minor league baseball at the same time I was playing college football. Okay. And it got to be a little bit too much, uh, especially at that particular institution. And somehow the failure of my first year in baseball, I hit 248, which is not bad 
by today's standards, but hit 248 and struck out 150 some odd times my first year. And somehow that failure uh, kind of drew me more towards the sport. Mm. Interestingly enough, you know, football, I felt like, you know, it was pretty easy. Um, but baseball, I, I felt like I wanted to, to conquer that and, and was drawn to it. Uh, I, I, I grew to regret that decision, <laughs> you know, a few years. You know, I made it to the big leagues and played for six years for, you know, in Chicago first, then Detroit, Toronto, and Montreal. But it certainly wasn't the, the playing career that I thought. Uh, but, you know, it's funny how strange things happen along the way because had I not, and I have no regrets because the one thing that I've always done is I've given it whatever I was pursuing, everything that I had uh, towards accomplishing the goal. That way, if you happen to not achieve that goal, you can look at yourself in the mirror and you know you gave it your all, yeah. uh, which brings you peace and allows you then to move on to whatever is next in your life. But while I was there sulking on the bench in Toronto, <laughs> uh, because I wasn't getting a chance to play, um, uh, I sat next to two people. Uh, one, the pitching coach, his name was Galen Sisko. The other is the manager, Cito Gaston, who um, uh, was the first uh, black manager that I had ever played for. Wow. And, and won back-to-back -back World Series in Toronto and should be in the Hall of Fame. It's a shame that he's not in the Hall of Fame. Other people that have won a couple of World Series are in the Hall of Fame, I'm just saying. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, sitting next to them and them being so gracious yeah. to answer all the questions that I had uh, um, as a board player not getting a chance to play mm -hmm. uh, actually turned out to be the biggest blessing I could have professionally. Uh, well, maybe not the biggest, you know, because I subsequently got opportun other opportunities, but uh, had I not spent that time learning from them, I do not believe that I would be sitting in this chair now because I wouldn't have been prepared for other opportunities yeah. after my playing days were over. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think that leans well into, like you've kind of spoken to, but what are, what are some of the, the biggest challenges you recall, either from getting into major league, you know, baseball to being in major league and even the transition, right? Like I imagine there are a variety of things that were seminal in that, in that process. <clears throat> well, you know, while I was, my first two years in the major leagues, but a lot of people don't know this, but during, I stayed in Chicago during the off seasons and I actually worked in the Bulls front office, the Chicago Bulls front office. This really? Is, this is when in the Bulls heyday and where, when Michael and Scotty first came along. So it was, it was a little strange having, you know, a major league player working in their front office, you know, and, you know, I'm hanging out with Michael and Scotty and those guys after, you know, after games and stuff, because, yeah, I'm still in that circle of professional athlete, but mm -hmm. I'm also a, a marketing intern answering phones at the time. <laughs> but the interesting thing is the owner of the Bulls, Jerry Reinsdorf, mm -hmm. remembered that uh, 
when I was done playing, remembered that I showed up for work mm-hmm. uh, uh, at the Bulls front offices. He, he owned the Bulls and the White Sox. He yeah. still owns them. Uh, and he remembered that work ethic and he remembered, you know, the sacrifices, you know, that I've made to do that. Yeah. Um, so I think that went a long way in him asking me to come back to the organization when I was done, done playing. But you mentioned specifically, uh, you know, some of those the, the, the earlier challenges. Hey, <laughs> Pastor, listen, there's been a lot along the way. Uh, and. You know, I, I, it's hard to it, it's hard to pick a chapter <laughs> yeah, yeah. in which to to answer that question fully, whether it be from um, the, the the physical sacrifices you have to make, you mm-hmm. know, to become the player uh, first, or the transitional uh, 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 you know decisions you have to make when you become a young father. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, someone calls you in the office and says your playing days are over Mm. to then transitioning into some of the scouting roles and the player development roles. You know, I ran the minor leagues operations for the White Sox before I I started running the major league, you know, uh, uh, operations. And, you know, there was was one year um, uh, my ex-wife probably one of the reasons why she's my ex-wife uh, turned to me and said, you know, you, you've been gone 265 days, 69 days this year. You've been on the road. And I said, said I, I, knew, I knew it had been a lot, but I didn't know it had been that much, you know, and you're just trying to hustle and, and pay the bills and, and grind away, you know, and like I said, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it and do it to the best of my ability. I'm not going to like, fail. It ain't going to be because I didn't put the effort into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, which leads me to, to, and I know you didn't ask this question, but it's the greatest advice I've mm. ever gotten. And that came from my father. Mm. Uh, and I had thought that I had told him this years and years ago, but it wasn't until you know, the last couple of weeks of his life in the hospital where, you know, I thanked him again for the advice he, this particular advice he gave me. I got a, geometry was never my thing. I, I, I don't get it at all. <laughs> and it, I got the worst grade in school I've ever got. I got a D, wow. which, mean, which meant in my family, you know, you don't get to play sports and stuff. That's just, hey, you, you're out till you yeah. figure it out. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, he, I remember having the conversation with him and he said, well, uh, you think everybody in your class is that much smarter than you? You, you know, you got the D. I'm sure other people are getting A's and B's. And I said something smart, something to the effect of, well, evidently, the, the, the evidence is here. <laughs> they are smarter. <laughs> Uh, that didn't go over too well with Jerry Williams. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but instead of instead of getting popped in the head, which I I totally expected and would have it would have warranted, uh, he said he said something that has stuck with me the rest of my life, and and, and you know even sitting here now, and that's if you think those people are twice as smart as you, then 
you can catch up by working twice as hard. And what happens if you work three times as hard? Won't you be above them? Wow. And I thought about it and it sounded reasonable to me. Hmm. And from that day forward, there are very few people that I can say uh, have worked harder than me at a particular juncture in my life. Uh, to the, and, and sometimes I took it to the extreme. Uh, you know, and I realized that we have, to, we have to sometimes learn how to strike balance in our life. Yeah. Uh, and that can be more challenging for uh, people with limited intellectual ability such as myself <laughs> you just got to work twice or three times as hard at it that's all <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i understand that's a simple concept <laughs> but, but it worked it worked yeah. for me yeah. it, it worked yeah. for me and i i you know i i don't profess to ever have been the smartest person in you know any of these you know boardrooms or anything that i've been been in I've oftentimes I've been the most logical but um, <laughs> the one thing that the one thing that 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 I've been able to do was outwork people yeah wow and 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 that is just amazing advice I mean from just the idea of number one coming from your father where I think that that takes on a a special tenure uh, for for a variety of reasons but also for it to be able to at a moment where you were kind of at your lowest like Hey, I got this terrible grade, you know, this could be defining, oh, this is who I am. Um, and then your father kind of re-pitching it, shifting your view about it. And all of a sudden this kind of trajectory towards your work ethic, it just kind of explodes, which is amazing. It was easy for him to say that, but then my mother had to be the one, the one to, 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 to monitor that and to, and to, to hold my feet to the fire, which wasn't always easy to do. You know, but without those two people, listen, man, I'm not sitting, I'm not sitting, you know, in this chair and my grandmother and my grandmother's prayers. Yeah. My grandmother's prayers, because I had a lot of questions, especially, you know, she kept, she kept me in church, man. <laughs> I didn't know you could go to church this much. <laughs> you know, whenever, whenever she had me though, it was like, we, we just left church. We're going back. <laughs> And she, you know, she swears that, oh, that, it wasn't like that. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't. I would have all these questions and stuff. And she just, boy, she say, boy, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> and, and it's not lost on me yeah. that, that I've been uh, the beneficiary of good fortune. Yeah. Because you can, you, listen, there are a lot of people that work hard. Absolutely. There are a lot of smart people. There are a lot of, uh, 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 people who are educated and, mm -hmm. and have greater qualities than, than I do. But I do understand this, that good fortune doesn't shine on everyone. Absolutely. Good fortune doesn't shine on everyone. So I'll, I'll be the last one to say that my grandmother's prayers didn't work. Mm. Mm. Man, you, you, you fill me with so much, so, so many questions to get to from that. And so we will, but I, I just want to make sure that we at least kind of communicate. So after your transition uh, out of playing professional uh, baseball, what are some of the positions that you held that led to where you are today? <clears throat> so I, I thought I was gonna go back to Stanford, finish my degree, which I promised my mother when I left early, I promised her I would, I would do. 
um, and I still haven't done that. Still time. Uh, There's still time. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> time's out. I'm just going to have to, gonna have to just accept this apology. You're going to have to accept this apology. Anyway, um, uh, I lost my train of thought. Right no worries. I was the, the positions after. Oh, um, oh. after <clears throat> uh, so, so I was going back and I thought I was added as a player. I had a choice between going back, going to Japan. Japan to play okay. or going back to school mm -hmm. and uh, I was living in Seattle at the time and called Jerry Reinsdorf the owner of the Bulls because Michael Jordan had changed his phone number mm. so so and the Bulls were coming out to play Seattle and I wanted to, you know. Uh, I just want to slap this up there. Like, don't run past the fact that you have Michael Jordan's phone number. Like, that might that thing might have just blown my mind in and of itself. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, so, so he, so so I called called the owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, and got Michael's number. And he's, he asked, he says, well, what's your plan? What are you going to do? And I said, you know, I'm considering a couple of different things, blah, blah, blah. And we just got into a general conversation. And, and I said, you know, the one thing that you guys aren't doing in baseball is you're not scouting the inner cities. You're not, you know, there's some, there's some kids, some black talent in these, and, and, and Latin talent in these inner cities that are being ignored because of the bias that a lot of the scouts have or fear of going into these places, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, a few minutes into the conversation, he said, well, why don't you put your money where your mouth is and why don't you come and run our inner city scouting if, if you feel that strongly about it? And I said, well, um, that's an interesting thought. Thought about it a little further and I agreed to uh, agreed to do that. Wow. And a couple of years later, uh, he saw that I had a little bit more uh, to offer and asked me to be his special assistant because mm -hmm. he wanted to he wanted to write some things that were going on in the organization and felt that he had a lot of yes men around mm -hmm. uh just telling him what he wanted to hear and he knew that that wasn't going to be the case with me <laughs> i think he regrets uh, that oftentimes um but but that's kind of how it started so i was involved mm -hmm. in and a lot of the business side of things, as well as the, the baseball side of things initially, you know, television, radio, contract negotiations, and for whatever reason, I, I've always had some instincts in, in reading people in that area, uh, marketing and sales part of things. And then a couple of years after that, he, we were in a meeting and we were dissatisfied with how the minor leagues were running. And he asked me to run the minor leagues. And I said, I didn't have any interest in that. Hmm. And, you know, he said, he said, okay, um, but let's go to this meeting. And then after the meeting, you tell me. And right. we went to this meeting where the minor league people got up and, you know, did their presentations. And I leaned over to him and said, yeah, okay, I'll do that. I'll, I'll fix that. Wow. I'll fix that. And so I did that for, I don't know, four, four, four or five years. And then the general manager, uh, decided the uh, decide Ron Schuler decided that he had had enough of the position. It's a very taxing position. Mm -hmm. uh, he had enough, and he was leaving. And Jerry asked me if I had any interest in it, and I told him no. And he said, "Are you kidding me? Nobody says no to this position." 
I said, yeah, well, it's been my observation that, you know, a lot of people are smart before they get their, that job and then they become the village idiot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> after they get that job. And a couple of years after that, they're out the door and on the street and never get it. And I'm interested, I, I've got young kids. I'm interested in a, a longer career trajectory yeah. and I see more opportunity on the business side than I do the baseball side. Hmm. So he said the magic words that I need you. Uh, and um, uh, that was October of 2000. So here we are 22 years later. I'm not the GM anymore. I, I, uh, uh, I was elevated to a position uh, that oversees the general manager, executive vice president. Uh, most teams call it president of baseball operations. So you'll see okay. both titles associated with me. Mm -hmm. And it's, and, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's a little slower paced than a general manager's job. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, I still retain last, last say so on, on all personnel matters, you know, around here. I just, I, I take an, a, an almost invisible, uh, approach to, uh, uh, to the media and stuff. So I'm not out there as much as I used to be, but that general manager's, you know, job, I slept for three and a half years. That's three and a half hours a night on average for 12 years. Wow. Yeah. It, yeah, it can be that. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like it. Um, um, and so uh, you mentioned earlier how like you're one of the, or the longest tenured African-Americans in this level of leadership. I believe you said professional sports, not just baseball, correct? And so- Well, at least, at least the four major, baseball, major, basketball, okay. football. What's the other? Baseball, basketball, football, and soccer. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. No, hockey. Hockey, yeah. So uh, I, I want to say not too long ago, maybe a few years back, you, you actually spoke out about the lack of diversity um, as it relates to uh, the major league. Um, what, what, what kind of did you say? What has been kind of like the movement since, since your communication? Well, you know, the interesting thing is I've been saying, saying the same things for 20 years. <laughs> you know, and I've been on the diversity committee for Major League Baseball for, you know, the bulk of the 20 years and and now I serve as the actual chairman uh, of the committee for, for baseball but uh, I, I, I I was I was taught you know my mother my father uh, I remember conversations they used to have with John Carlos my godfather who raised his hand in the 68 Olympics. yeah 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 uh, and 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 those conversations, with my mother's struggles at PG&E, mm -hmm. my father's in the fire department and having mm -hmm. to sue the fire department to become, you know, it's kind of ironic to have to sue a department to be able to risk your life. Um, you know, John's <laughs> struggles and all of the, the things that they all used to talk about. And I was listening, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's uh, you, you listen and you learn mm -hmm. and, you establish a, a, a kind of a foundation as to who you are and what you are. They all, they all said, ed educate yourself and fight from inside the boardroom out 
not from outside the border or in, right? It's a it's a better fight if you 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 position yourself in those borders. So I did that for a number of years, right? Where maybe some people would say, "Well, why isn't he speaking out as as much as he could given his position?" Uh, I was. And I affected change hmm. behind those scenes in so many ways people have no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> but it had, I started to not see any more progress and not with, with those same arguments I was having behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So I walked into the general manager's meeting uh, in November of 21, November of 21. And there were 130 people there. And there were, three of us were black. I was the only one in the, in the position, you know, that, that, that I currently serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a couple of, of Lat- Latinos and a couple of women. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what is that? Six people, seven people, six people. <laughs> Everybody else looked the same. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was asked to give uh, some history on another subject. And so I stood in the room, I looked around and I said, I, I want you guys to close your eyes and imagine you've been walking in this room for 30 years and the room was all black. Everybody in here was black. There's just a sprinkling of people that looked like you. Hmm. And I went up to you and I said, man, I really believe in diversity uh, for 30 years. I believe in diversity, but we just can't find any qualified black and brown people anywhere. Mm. How offensive would that be to you? Mm. How demoralizing would that be be for you? Mm -hmm. How genuine would you take the statements of we believe in diversity? Yeah. So I, you know, and one of my best friends, Brian Cashman, who is, uh, he's the general manager of New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. He's, we, we just, we, we kid each other constantly. He timed it. <laughs> he timed, and after he said, he said, he said, you, you took the room for eight minutes, eight minutes. <clears throat> I was like, well, I didn't realize it was that long, but <laughs> but I had some things to get off my chest and I hit him hard with it. And I told him, I said, this is the last time I'm going to, to, uh, to ask or demand that this start to change. Mm. Because the next time I do come walk in this room and I see what I'm seeing right now, I'm going out here to this media and you have, you're going to have to deal with my sound bites for the next weeks and weeks. And you're going to have to answer to those sound bites in a much different way than you've ever had to answer. So they came up with uh, this past, the next general manager's meeting, every club was required to bring a a person of color or a woman Mm -hmm. uh, to be sitting at the table representing their club. and some other things resulted as, as uh, and, and I'm not saying that to, to, to say anything other, other, other than to just answer your question. Right. You know, what, what are you doing? What's been done? Uh, all these things. Now, uh, that comes 
that comes with, you know, mm-hmm. some risk. Mm-hmm. And I stated at the time, I'm to the point in my career, I do not care what happens to me as a result of, of you know, these stances that I, mm-hmm. uh, that I, I, I feel necessary to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if it helps the, the, the people behind me, then, mm-hmm. then I will have accomplished the job at hand. And if, like I said, if it comes at, if, the, if that means that when I'm done in this position here, I go no further, or I've just got to fade off into the sunset, so be it, I will have spoken my piece. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely some level of movement, right? Of course, like we want to see that trajectory move forward, but if you had to paint the picture, right? Um, what would, what would the room rightly look like if you were to walk into it and to be like, man, we made it. Like, well, I mean, like? shouldn't, every, shouldn't every room uh, just mirror, mirror uh, society? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's not a hard concept to, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you want quality people. You do not, and, and this is one of the hardest things that, mm-hmm. that, you know, you try to balance when you're talking through these things. You don't want to hire people and people don't want to get hired because of their color. Absolutely. Because of their gender. People don't want, want that. You want quality people mm-hmm. for these positions, but you also have to give people an opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, whereas they other, otherwise maybe wouldn't have gotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that goes both ways. If you got an all-Black company you, and, and you don't have, have people of different ethnicities and races, and, mm-hmm. and I don't think you're serving yourself well in that scenario mm-hmm. either. I mm-hmm. think you need a cross, you know, blend of, of, of people with personalities and experiences uh, to really get the job done. Yeah, yeah. So then <clears throat> I've also recognized it just seems like um, major league sports is shifting, period. And I, I feel like, you know, there's a, a time maybe 20 years, 30 years ago, like baseball came top of the hill. Um, and, you know, football was kind of coming. There seems to be a, a shift in the guard. What are you sensing as it relates to young kids, especially African-American kids being connected to sports um, and, and their connection potentially to baseball? <clears throat> well, if you if you go on Major League Baseball's uh, website, you'll see some amazing things happening with young black and Latin men. U.S. Mm-hmm. And it's always, you know, the Latin men from other countries, yeah. you know, are 30 mm-hmm. percent of base, more than 30 percent of Major League Baseball now. Uh, but here in the states, black and brown are playing more than than uh, you, you're you're seeing some guys that in previous years, you know, ten years ago would be on the football field. Yeah, and those type of athletes now they're they're coming into baseball. Whether it be whether it be the health, the reasons, mm-hmm. the concussion Absolutely. issues, or whatever, but you're seeing you're seeing a lot of positive things happening. And I just spoke with uh, you know a group a few weeks ago it's on major league baseball's website actually they put a clip on it uh, and they're not just focused on on them becoming major league players which one of is one of the things that I demanded they're focused on helping these young men build their character and and educational pursuits along the way mm-hmm. uh, we with the white Sox, we have a program called our ace program in Chicago mm-hmm. And, you know, when we first started, when we first started this program years ago, we had 
you're you're from Chicago, so you're familiar yep. with the Robert Taylor Homes. And, Absolutely. And, you know, State Streets and all yeah, that. Yeah, Ida B. Wells, we, Cabrini Green, all of them. We, we couldn't, man. We we sponsored these little leagues and the gangs were stealing the bats, and balls <laughs> and stuff. It was, it was terrible. It was yeah. like, we're never going to make it. You know, and this Anyway, we we kept at it, and now we have had over 250 kids um, mm. inner city Chicago get Division One, Division Two scholarships. Wow! Uh, and you know, some have gone on to get their masters in various you know mm-hmm. fields, and uh, you know, play in the College World Series and do some, some really special things. So, wow. so we're proud of we're proud of that. Absolutely. And that, 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 that's wonderful. And, and to go back, I mean, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, this positioning that you're in, the uh, change that you're able to affect both inside the organization to communities around you, uh, you know that that is on the, the prayers of your grandmother. And so I wouldn't be right not to ask you, how has faith played or has faith played a role uh, kind of in your success and kind of where you are now? Well, like I said, you know, now, now, I have to be honest in saying I got popped in the head a little bit because I had some questions. Absolutely. You know, as a young kid, I had some questions about, you know, this particular, you know, story coming from the Bible, this particular one. I had questions and, you know, she promptly called me a heathen and popped me in the head. (laughs) Um, But, but listen, I, I think we've got, We've got kids running around the streets now, uh, smash and grab. Is that what they call smash and grab? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, doing those kind of things and just kind of lost. Mm-hmm. And I think there, the, it's been lost in our, our upbringings. Mm-hmm taking your kids and getting them the foundation of the church mm-hmm. and not just, you know, the, the whole community of the church. Yeah, absolutely. And, and having that fear of God, <laughs> fear of grandma, yeah. fear of, you know, Alice, the neighbor, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know who, whomever that is, that, that, that you, that, that some, that, Thing, that voice, that consciousness that stops you and says, no, don't do that. Yeah. That's not right. That's yeah. not godly. That's not holy. That's not, that's not how I've been raised. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, where I've may have wanted to listen I was a 20 something year old major league baseball player and I had some money in my pocket <laughs> you know you can you can go left you can go right yeah in some cases but yeah. I always knew it's like well I was just going to reflect on mm-hmm. my mother my grandmother what are they going to say mm-hmm. what what is there oh I got it I'll tell you a story Please. I'll tell you I'll tell you a story, good, good story too. <laughs> uh, and and it, it may take me a while to get back to where I need to get. <laughs> but we're here. So, so one of my players, mm-hmm. one of my, I'm not gonna mention his name. Okay. One of my players, you know, um, we we really treated, I, I thought very fairly, we 
We won the World Series. I let him have my time on the podium to say goodbye. It was his last year, but to just mm-hmm. say, say goodbye to the city and everything. And, and that particular player then started to complain about how he was treated at the end of his career with us. So I said, listen, you can say anything you want about me. I don't care. I don't respect you enough to care. <laughs> don't you say anything. Don't you say anything about that man, the, the owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, because I've seen him do too, too much good for mm-hmm. too many people. And, he, and I know he did some things for you personally. Okay. That, and anyway, so he criticized him once. I sent warning. He criticized him again. And I let him have it publicly. It went on, it was on ESPN for, you know, a week. But after I said it, and I said some words on ESPN that my grandmother didn't like, right? Or first, actually, it was the congregation that let her know. So, <laughs> so I'm driving home. I'm driving home after I said what I said on ESPN. And they're bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> yeah and she called me she said hey uh baby uh, my congregation is calling me <laughs> and they're saying that you went on that esp channel <laughs> right like, like it ain't esp it's esp i, I don't care what it is <laughs> you went on tv and you said all these cuss words and you did, you wasn't raised like that. Mm. I said, Grandma, listen, I'm 40 years, the time I was 40 years, I'm 40 years old. This man did this, 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 this. He had it coming. Mm. He's like, no, 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 no. I don't care what he did. Mm. That, that don't have an effect on who you are mm. and how you are going to be. Out. And you have kids watching you. And they are, you are an example for them. And, and you and I saw, so I, and I kept pushing back. She says, oh, oh, okay. So you want me to go get the switch and get on the airplane? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I said, I'm 40 years old. You go, and you, she was, I don't know. She was 85, something <laughs> like that. You want me to get on the airplane and come out? And, and I kept pushing back and she, and then she convinced me she was getting ready to get a, get a flight, <laughs> get a flight. So I'm like, she, she said, you need to go on that ESP channel <laughs> and apologize and do it. And you need to do it today. I'm like, I, I'll, I'll think about it, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, long story short, uh, I call our PR guy. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't call our PR guy. I called Michael Wilba, uh, <laughs> who, who does PTI. I said, hey, Mike, um, I know you saw what I, I said. He's like, oh, that was great. That was great. He deserved it. I said, well, listen. Uh, I got to go on air with you. And uh, it wasn't the right thing to do. But he's like, Kenny, where's this coming from? I'm like, well, you know, my grandmother. (laughs) Honestly. So he's like, okay, we'll put you on tomorrow. So they put me on that little segment, five minutes Mm -hmm. on PTI with Kenny Williams, right? So I get on air and, you know, hey, Kenny, you said some things yesterday. And so I, I said, listen, I'm not going, I'm going to apologize how I said some things yesterday because that's not who my family is. It's not representative of the position that I'm going to be in, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. Okay, right. So then at the end of it, he says, well, you know, I, I understand all that, Kenny, but what's the real reason? <laughs> Why are you coming on? I was like, and I had to admit to America right there. I said, well, 
my grandmother's congregation got on her and she got on me. So I had to come on in. <laughs> For all those that don't believe in the power of the church. No, I was <laughs> That 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 was worth it. That was worth it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Well, one last question. Um, I always like to close off from the variety of things that you've accomplished, both playing, both you know, in the front office, pushing for change. Um, if you're thinking about it, if somebody's closing out watching this this episode, how would you like them to remember your story, or what would you like them to remember most? <clears throat> Ooh, Master, like like when I'm dead. <laughs> no like maybe just retirement or anything you, know, oh, you gotta die <laughs> yeah well i hope retirement's first um <laughs> how would i like to be remembered yeah well i want my family i want my family to be proud hmm. of not necessarily you know, the accomplishments that you you have in life, like I said, so much good fortune sometimes has to shine on you uh, that's out of your control. Um, but I, I, want, I want them to understand the work ethic. Mm. Uh, you know, I, that's a tough question for me because, mm. because you know, if, if I've got my family's respect, mm. you know, um and people in my close circle you know understand some of the things you had to go through to get to where because it's, it's easy for people to say oh you got it easy you got it easy but they don't remember when the day that i was named general manager in 2000 i went home and spray painted on the side of my house there's no niggas should be running the chicago white Sox in capital letters wow. people don't remember that or the mail the mail I got where people were gonna hang, they say, we're gonna hang you from the foul poles. And I had to be walked out to security and radioed from one block to the next to make sure I got on the highway safely. They don't remember that or anything. So I, but my family know, my family felt it. Yeah. So if they respect me for continuing on mm -hmm. through all of that uh, and helping them get other opportunities in their lives, then, you know, I'm cool. You know, on my tomb, I told him already on my tombstone, whenever that happens, just put, don't, don't worry about him. He was tired anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. well, let me say thank you, first of all, for creating time. I know this is a busy, busy season for you. So just being able to create the time to talk. Um, but also thank you for your work ethic. Thank you for the consistent push. Uh, to include so many others like yourself and others that might be different um, to be able to, to have opportunity. And I think you said it rightly, no one really knows what you really go through, right? And so this is a part of that is the, to kind of tell that story, but also to know that you're enduring like so many of our four mothers and four fathers creates it and makes it just a little bit better for the next person. So thank you well, for being a living legend. Uh, and, and thank you for being the same because you are inspiring people every day and you are that voice in some of these young people's head, especially that says, no, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not going down that path. 
I'm going down this this path. Yeah. And um, and and that, nev- that should never be lost yeah. on anybody, you know, especially. Thank you.